Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, we continue with our year-long series, Walking with Jesus Through the Gospel of John. If you're new here and we'll see a few new people here, we'll welcome you to our services. We've been working through the Gospel of John, and we've already done chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, uh, and today we'll pick up with uh, chapter 6 uh, with the title, Jesus Meets Our Needs and Calms Our Fears. Now, each sermon is sort of a standalone, so if you're here today, you, you, know, you don't have to have the other ones that, to do this. But if you'd like to catch up, you can go to our website, www.fbcbroussard.com, and uh, all the sermons are on there, the audio and the sermon notes. Or you can pull out your app, and you can listen to it on your phone, and the notes as well. So we encourage you to pick up on that. But today, we're kind of picking, uh, following up on two things we talked about last week, uh, where Jesus... He is our source of healing and the source of life. Well, today we find out that he's the source that meets all our needs, and he is the source that calms our fears. John is using these two passages, the one from last week and this chapter this week, to reinforce to us that because Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God, the Messiah, God in flesh, he has authority and power over every aspect of our life. There is no sickness or harm in your life that he cannot heal. He can bring life abundant and eternal. And whatever need you have or fear that you have, he can be. This week, I uh, went to, uh, flew to uh, North Carolina for some chaplain convention training. And uh, on, the, on the flying there at the airport, it was very interesting to see a lot of different people. Some that seems a little strange, but there's God obviously has a sense of humor in, in making humans, but uh, they were such a variety of people. But you know, as I started thinking and this message came to mind, every single one of those persons there, no matter where they came from, how they dressed, what their background is, they have needs in their life. There's needs that they're searching to meet. And nearly all of us down deep have some fear. It may not be an overwhelming fear, but there's just some fear or just kind of discontent and concern in our life. Well, I want you to know that just as we discovered last week that Jesus is the source of healing, the source of life, Jesus is our need meter and our fear calmer. He, can, he meets all those needs, and so we focus on that and, and keep it in mind the idea that, that was started a few weeks ago, or the phrase, everybody, everywhere needs Jesus. Well, in order to meet our needs and come up here, we need that. So let's jump into uh, the video clip. Uh, if you go ahead and cut the lights, let's watch the video clip. Well, I think you can obviously see where I got the title, Jesus Meets Our Needs and Calms Our Fears. It's just clear as a bell. These two amazing true stories in the, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ that happened 2,000 years ago. But 
the principles that the disciples learned there are just as valid and applicable to us today. Because just like people 2,000 years ago had needs and fears, you and I have those. And too many times we try to meet those needs with money, relationships, sensualities, jobs, or even families or relationships. That's not necessarily anything wrong with any of those things. But as I've said so many times before, if you try to meet a need or in your life in any other way than Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. It's only in Jesus that we're going to find that. Uh, but life is full of difficulties and challenges. All of you have faced them. Maybe some of you are going through that right now. There was this philosopher who had a name, Schopenhauer. Not quite as big as the, the guy from Turkmenistan, but Schopenhauer was a well-known philosopher of years gone by. A lot of people really followed him. But at the end of his life, it's, it is quoted that he said, Life is a series of endless cravings and endless unhappiness. Now, he was having a good day, wasn't he? <laughs> Poor fella. Endless cravings and endless unhappiness. You know, much of the world feels that way, and sometimes you may feel that way. But you see, there was another philosopher, a Christian philosopher and scientist, uh, Blaise Pascal, who said there is a God-shaped vacuum inside all of us, and only Jesus can fill that void. You see, what you need, what I need, what the disciples need, what your family, the people in the community and around the world, what they need is Jesus. Everybody, everywhere needs Jesus. And we must carry that out. So let's begin with this passage and kind of walk through it. There's two major things that we talk about. Jesus meets our need and uh, then calms the storm. Let's look at Jesus meets our needs. John 6, 1 through uh, 7. After this, so that was just the story uh, previous to, uh, that, that we had last week about source of healing and source of life. Jesus went to the, to the Sea of Galilee and on the mountainside, which was a common thing for him. Remember the Sermon on the Mount that we have recorded? He, on the mountainside, the people all around him. This was a common place for him that he would go often. So the people kind of knew this. But uh, they were gathering around a huge, a huge crowd of people were coming. One of them, because verse 4, you see, there was a Passover Jewish festival. They were all going to Jerusalem. But in, with, on top of that, the people of the community and all around had heard and saw Jesus do all these amazing miracles and signs. So a large crowd. Now, the scripture says 5,000 men. Now, they, unfortunately, ladies, they only counted men back in those days. You may feel that way still today, but uh, the, 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 you, it was eight to 10,000 people there, possibly. Large crowd of people. And Jesus looked over and saw this crowd. It must have been Philip, must have been close to him. He said, Philip, where would we buy bread so all these people could eat? Now, Philip, probably like a lot of us, began to try to figure out, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And it would take 200 silver coins, which is really almost a year's worth of wages, to pay for that. Now, the disciples nor Jesus had any money. They were not wealthy. 
So it was, uh, Philip was trying to figure it out. But what Jesus was, was testing him was see rather than figuring out if he would faith it out and trust in the Lord. Well, he asked them to test him because Jesus already knew. You know, uh, Corey Ten Boone, you may remember her. She was, was a, a Christian that was caught up in the uh, Holocaust, uh, uh, imprisonment, slavery. She said, there is no panic in heaven, only plans. See, nothing catches Jesus by surprise. There is nothing in your life now or in the future that catches Jesus by surprise. He knows it all. He has everything under control in that area. So the point, the, the, the point here is there is no problem too big for God to solve. No problem. So whatever may be in your life, whatever issue that may be, is that God can take care of it. God is able to do far beyond all that we can imagine. No matter what it is, no matter how difficult your health condition, no matter how difficult your relationship, your fears for the future, whatever it may be, whatever the situation is, take whatever problem you have in your life, double it, and then double it again. Is it too big for God? Well, I think we all would in our heads say theologically, yes. There's no problem for, too big for God to solve. But how does that work out in your life, in the problem that you're dealing with right now, the need that you have in your life right now that may have been there for a while, maybe most of your life that you've been struggling with? There's some need. I want you to know that God is capable of supplying and meeting whatever needs you have. Don't try to fill those needs with the things of this world. It will only dissatisfy. Okay, so Jesus meets our needs and calms our fears. So the next part of that one is there is no person or there's never a person too small for God to use. Let's read the scripture here. Now, Philip had kind of failed at the experiment, the test. But Andrew kind of picked up on it and he went out looking. He, he obviously went and looked and he found a young boy. Now, the unique thing about Andrew, every time you hear about him, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. Andrew's a good example for us, a model for us. We need to be bringing people to Jesus. Well, he went and brought this little boy. Now, he obviously had some faith in, in Jesus, but he didn't quite have enough, he says. But, you know, how, what, what is this going to do for all these 5,000? Or maybe in his head we say, well, at least I can take care of you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, this is, at least I'm going to take care of you. But... Jesus already knew what was going on. This little boy had brought a lunch. A few loaves of bread and some fish. He had a, he had a mama that really loved him, took care of him, and fixed him a good lunch, sent him off. But the good thing here is, is this little boy was the only one that was willing to share. Now, maybe other people had food, but they didn't. They didn't say anything. It was just one little boy. So the issue here is, the point here is, is there is never a person too small for God to use. Some of you here may think, say, well, you know, I'm, 
it's just me. I don't really have any gifts or talents. I don't have any education. I, I, you know, I, it's God can't use me. Well, take those words and really settle it down to the deepest meaning of that. What you're saying is, is that God is not capable of using you. That he is limited in his power. If Jesus could have a donkey speak in the Old Testament, if he could bring a human being from dust, don't you think he could take your life and use it for his purposes? You may not have the gifts and the talents and the position and the money that somebody else has, but you have something. And whatever that is, no matter how small, when you put it in the hands of God, it can be multiplied. This little boy had five loaves and a few fishes. Well, Jesus took it and fed 5,000 plus people. Well, Jesus is still working miracles to this day. He wants to work a miracle in your life. Maybe not feeding 5,000 people with your, your bologna sandwich. But whatever you have, whatever gift, whatever place, you may be in a, in a job location that nobody else is going to be there that's going to be a witness for Christ. It may be a family member. It may be a, a person in your school and your, your workplace, your community that you have a special connection with, that you and you alone could be the best reflection of Jesus Christ. You've got to believe, not in yourself, but believe in Jesus. He says that he will use us. The point is, are you willing to be used? You see, there's two things that we have to, that have to take place for that to do. Is, number one, transfer whatever it is in your life. Your finances, your relationship, your gifts, your talents, your time, your job, your hopes. Transfer it to Jesus Christ. Just take it to him. Just like this little boy took his lunch. He gave it to Jesus. How many of you here have, in your minds, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, just given all of who you are to Christ? Say, Christ, whatever you want, I'll do. And then do what he says. That's the key here. We must transfer it to Christ, whatever it is, no matter how small it is, and then he will transform it. There's a story of an amazing master violinist, concert violinist, who was well-known and he came to a theater and crowd that people were all excited to hear. They're also just as excited to hear this antique Stradivarius that he always plays. Well, he, be, he sat down and he began to play. I'm telling you, according to the, the people there, it was the most beautiful music. It was almost as if heaven's doors had been opened. And as soon as he finished, everybody clapped. And he lifted up that uh, violin. And everybody just kind of, ooh and ah. And then he crashed it down, just like a, a rock star would, would crash his guitar. Crashed that and tore up that violin. Everybody gasped. Because those things are worth billions of dollars. 
But he just kind of smiled and said, listen, this was a cheap little violin that only cost less than $50. As you see, the point here is, it's not the instrument. It's the person who holds the instrument that makes the difference. You are an instrument. Your worth, your value is not in how smart and powerful and well-connected you are. It's in whether you're willing to be used by Jesus. Let him make the beautiful music in your life. Probably most of us, we've been trying on our own. Even sincerely, trying to please God in our own strength. Just will not work. Until we completely transfer it to Jesus and surrender to him and let him transform it. That's when he can begin to meet the needs in your life and use you to meet the needs in others. Now, this story here of the feeding of the 5,000 is in all four Gospels. So it is a key element of teachers. It folds right into the next story. So we, we have to kind of take these two together because they flow together. After the people had seen Jesus, now they obviously saw that there was only a few loaves of fish, especially those nearby. And then they saw it just multiply and multiply. They were amazed and overwhelmed. They were so excited, they even began to say, this must be the prophet. In their minds, it's sort of the, either the precursor or the Messiah himself. He is the one, and they want to try to make him king. Because, you see, the Romans had been ruling over them, and they had lost their uh, control. And they were hoping for somebody that would come and kick those old Romans out and set up the, the, the Israel kingdom again. That's what they were looking for. But see, that's not what Jesus came for. Not the first time, anyway. He came to seek and save the lost and to bring hope. So, when Jesus saw all the people around him and coming up and talking, King Jesus, Jesus did his famous slip away. Jesus was excellent. Several verses of scripture talk about it. And Jesus hid away or slipped away or just kind of disappeared. But he went off on the mountainside. Now, remember this same story is in all four Gospels. In Matthew, no, Mark, Mark, no Matthew. In Matthew, this, the, the passage in Matthew, Jesus is quoted as saying to the disciples, get into the boat and go across to the other side. Now, the John passage doesn't say that, but if you link it up. So these disciples... And this, is, this has not been you. Jesus had done this before. Had sent them off. So they got in the boat. And they were following Jesus' will. Following his rules. He told them to get in the boat to go. So just keep that in mind. With the upcoming storm that's to be. That sometimes even in God's will. Storms and problems can come. That is storms, problems, and issue is not an indicator of whether you're in God's will or not. It may be, but it doesn't have to be. So let's look at this next section. Jesus calms our fears. As I said, they tried to take him, but he slipped up on the mountainside, and the disciples rode off in their boat. And they made about three or four miles out. Now the Sea of Galilee, or the uh, Lake Gennesaret is another name for it, is well known for quick 
in severe storms just to whip up and come across there. Now, these disciples knew that, and they were seasoned fishermen. But the scriptures are clear, saying that these disciples were scared to death. They were frightened. Now, remember, Jesus had told them to get in the boat. And Jesus had just performed a miracle of 5,000. But here they were, within a matter of minutes or hours, they were already back in fear mode again. Worried, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? About that time, one of the disciples looked, and I'm sure he kind of rubbed his eyes and looked again, and there was this figure walking towards him on the water in the middle of the storm. The Sea of Galilee is some, uh, some places hundreds of feet deep. As he got closer and closer, they began to see, but they began to be afraid because they didn't quite figure it out or quite put together what is going on here. But Jesus made a statement. It is I. Don't be afraid. No fear. You know, the scriptures... In the, in the Bible, from Old Testament to New Testament, if you count up all the don't fears or fear nots in the Bible, there are 365. And how many days in a year is there? There is a fear not for every single day. If we believe, if we trust in, the, in, the, in Jesus. But that's up to you to make that decision. You can know it up here in your head, but here in your heart and, and in your life, are you living that out? You see, Jesus is God's answer to man's despair. Whatever it is. You've heard the old saying, Jesus is the answer. Well, Jesus is the answer to uh, every question. But the point is, is you don't need your finances fixed in your life. You don't need your relationships healed. You don't need your body healed. What you need is Jesus. And once you have Jesus, then you have access to all the healing, all the blessings, the meeting of our needs, all the calmness in the midst of the storm. There are a lot of difficult issues in life. We all are facing them. And we're going to face more in the future. You're going to have some needs that you just don't know how it's going to be met. There's going to be some situations come up that you just don't know how to handle and just afraid of, how can I fix this? What can be done? Take it to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Give him your life. Give him your problems. Give him your family. Give him your concerns. And let him transform that and that he will meet the need in your life. You see, until you come to the point that Jesus is all that you need. That you will never have what you want. You must come to that point. Trusting in Jesus and focusing on him. Well, let me give you some takeaways here that we close. And uh, these are some points. Uh, now, these phrases I borrowed uh, from Adrian Rogers. He, he, he does a great job of putting things together. But uh, that's so I'm using some of his points here. But in this story, in a sense, what Jesus is doing is John is the John the apostle who's writing this is giving us some anchors 
for the storms of life. You're going to have storms. Trusting in Jesus doesn't take away the storms. It doesn't take away the needs or the problems. It just provides you with the greatest resource of all, Jesus. So number one, we've got to realize that we're governed by his providence. Now, providence is a word that you may not use too much, but it has the idea of God's sovereignty and has his direction. It's the idea that God guides everything to his end and purpose. So whatever happens in our life, God knows about it and has either brought it in or has allowed it, even though it may be some difficulties. I know that may be hard to theologically put in your mind that God will allow bad things to happen to us. But in all things are for his providence. You know the scripture says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and call according to his purpose. That means no matter what situation you're in, what problem you're in, God has a plan. And that's what the second one is. We can grow by that plan. God has a plan for us based upon his providence, his will, his sovereignty. He knows what needs to be done. So he has a plan for us. That plan is to trust in him and to let him work in our lives and to guide us in our life and to grow by his plan. God wants to do, has a plan for your life and a will for your life. You are not an accident. You're not just an incident on the, the records. You are a specially created and crafted masterpiece of Jesus. He has created you and gifted you and loves you and he wants to empower you. But you must trust. You must transfer it to him and let him transform you. Number three, I am gladdened by his presence. Well, the disciples were scared to death. But as soon as they saw Jesus, he walked into the boat. Not only did the storm stop, But the scriptures gives indication that immediately they were on the shore, safe and sound. See, a lot of us uh, pray for smooth sailing in life. Well, Jesus never promised smooth sailing. But he did promise a safe landing. If we trust in him, he is going to provide that and meet our needs. The presence of Jesus in your life should be and can be if you allow it to be the answer for any need any fear any worry or problem in your life no matter how big it is you've got Jesus by you then you're okay it's like maybe when you were a child and you were going through a dark place or something you had your mom or your dad held your hand you know you were brave you were ready to go but not by yourself But with them, you were ready to go. Well, see, your father holds your hand, and he's there. So no matter what problems or struggles you go through, Jesus is with you. We're guarded by his power. Jesus uh, 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 used his power to calm the seas and the storms, to stop everything. Jesus can stop the storm in your life. But even if he doesn't, he's still there with you. Even in the midst of the storm. Hold on to Jesus. And eventually, you're going to have a safe landing. In his time and in his will, don't tell Jesus what to do. 
He has been masterfully caring for all creation for thousands and thousands of years without your or my help. So just trust in Jesus. And lastly, guided by his purpose. Jesus has a purpose for us. And that purpose is to reflect his love and his image. In essence, to be authentic and genuine followers of Christ. That's what he wants of us. Your job is not to be some brilliant intellectual theologian or evangelist. Your job is just to give it all to Jesus. Give every part of your life to him. Trust him. And follow what he says. Pretty simple. Difficult to do, but it's simple in, it, in its essence, the thoughts of that. So, I think you can all hopefully agree to this statement that Jesus meets our needs and he calms our fears. And to those of us who are authentic and genuine followers of Christ, we know that. But you see, today is the day for those of us here that are Christians to reaffirm the authority of Jesus and surrender again, re-surrender our lives, our talents, our gifts, our money, our relationships, our future. Give it to Jesus. Let him transform it. And then just follow what he says. Fairly simple. But as I said earlier, it's sometimes difficult. But you've got to believe. You've got to Believe in who he is and what he said and take him at his word. Now, some of you here today, you may know about Jesus. You're a good person and you believe the facts about Jesus, but you've never crossed over that line of faith and surrendered and totally given your life to Christ. Today is that day. We're fixing to have an invitation time. And this invitation, commitment, uh, reflection time, it's a time for every one of us, Christian or those who seek to be Christians, to reevaluate ourselves and to either reaffirm our relationship with Christ or to begin that relationship. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard in the message or read in the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.